This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. If it is the grace and the power of God that saves you, you need to understand it is the grace and it's the power of God that maintains you. That he who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until that day. God is going to continue his work in you. You think it takes God by surprise? Oh man, I saved them, but I didn't realize they were going to do that. Now God's not surprised. If he saved you, he saved you to the uttermost. And he is faithful who promised. In today's message, Pastor David will share with us an important truth, that the very grace that saved us will also maintain and empower us. But that's only if we allow the work of grace to continue in our lives. You see, we can't do this alone. In the flesh, we can't accomplish the things of God. We need to be empowered by His grace. We need to be sustained by His love. And as we are, we can turn around and minister to others and the things that he's blessed us with. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 4, for the conclusion of our message entitled, Contend Earnestly. Beloved, it's got to line up with this word, and if it does not align up with this word, then it's a false doctrine, it's a false teaching. That's why the word is so adamant about the fact, man, test the spirits, see if they are of God or not. Uh, again, even what Jude is warning about. That's why today there can be no new orthodoxy. And orthodoxy, again, this truth that comes about that we would say, well, this orthodoxy, this truth, this supersedes this truth here. No, it cannot be. The church, since the time of the apostles, have maintained that same orthodoxy, that common salvation. And beloved, it's here where we need to understand that what we believe matters. And it matters to the utmost. It's here that you and I, as believers of the Word of God, we need to realize that the message of the gospel is complete as it was handed down through the ages, once for all, delivered to the saints. And yet somebody's going to say, oh, but pastor, I know that through the years the, the Bible has been uh, changed and rearranged and it's perverted, so there's no way that we can hope that what we have here is actually what the apostles had back there. And I would say I beg to differ with you greatly, because there is no historical document that is better affirmed with more evidence of the closeness of its originality than we have in the Bible that you're holding right now. There is no ancient document that we have as many copies of ancient writings as close to the original writings as we have of the Word of God. The Word of God can be tested as we try it, as we push it, as through the ages they've tried to destroy it, and yet it remains true, it remains strong, and it remains valid for you and I as believers. It's here that you and I need to remember that there's particulars in our faith that cannot be compromised. Cannot be compromised. It's here we need to hold really to that common saying, and it's been attributed to a lot of people through the ages. 
Some say, well, it was St. Augustine that said it. Well, it turns out it wasn't St. Augustine that said it, or St. Augustine, either way, which way you put it. Uh, Martin Luther quoted it. Richard Baxter quoted it. Many of uh, the ancients have quoted it. We really don't know exactly where it came, but the truth is, is still there, where it says that in the essentials of our faith, we need to maintain unity. That means even if they've got a different name on the church, a different denomination in the essentials of things, we can be at unity with them. But in the non-essentials, the things that make one church a little bit different than the other, then we have to have liberty. In the non-essentials, liberty. And we need to be able to let them say, well, you know what, if that's the way your church is run, well, that's fine because, again, the Bible really doesn't clearly tell us exactly how the government of a church should work and exactly how the day in and day out. So that's fine. I'm going to be at liberty or give you great liberty, and you're still my brother, you're still my sister. And in all things, it says charity. That in dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to deal from a platform of love and care. But yet, it matters what you believe. So my first question to you this morning, what do you believe? Have you ever sat down and purposefully meditated on the fact, what, what do I believe? Have you ever thought about your own personal statement of faith? And let me ask you this. Are you personally able to defend your faith? Jude is calling out, not to a leader, not to a pastor. He's calling out to the saints. And he says, you need to earnestly contend. We need to fight for the faith. For the understanding of what that message was that was given once for all, we, even today, need to be able to earnestly contend for our faith. What happens when someone comes to you? Maybe there's two of them and they come knocking on your door and they start talking to you. Oh, no thanks, don't have time for you. Do you know why most believers do that? It's because they cannot earnestly contend for their faith. Listen, I know what I believe. I just don't know why I believe that. Well, my pastor said that's what I believe. Beloved, that's not earnestly contending for the faith. You need to understand that doctrine is not a four-letter word. It's actually an eight-letter word, but some of you are counting right now, aren't you? Doctrine, our English word doctrine, comes from a Latin word, doctrina, and it simply means that which is taught. That which is taught. And in the life of the Christian, it has to do with that biblically declared message and the teaching or the orthodoxy of the church. What have we declared through the years? What, have, what has been tested and tried through the years of what the Word of God says? There's issues that you and I need to be very firm in our own belief, but also we need to be able to explain why we're firm in our belief, such issues as the inerrancy of the Scripture. Because if someone can come to you and easily dissuade you as far as the uh, accuracy of the Scripture, then they can blow holes in your faith all day long. No, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. Why do you believe it? What about even the method of salvation? 
I could probably go around the room this morning and I would say the vast majority of you would say, yes, I am saved. I know that I am saved. And then if I were to ask you, how were you saved? Some of you may be able to explain that, but the sad reality is, is very few of us in the Christian faith in general are able to say, I am saved because in the Word of God, it declares thus and thus, and I stand by that word. What about the nature of God? What about the trinity of God? No, there's a really sticky, wide subject. But do you understand what you believe about it, and why do you believe what you believe? What about the divinity of Christ? Do you know that he is God in the flesh? The sinfulness of humanity, the reality is that all of us were born in sin. And really and truly, as I look around the room, I can attest to the fact that we were born in sin. Because as I look around the room, the first thing that comes into my viewpoint is my own hand. And I know I was born in sin. And I know the Word of God declares that we were born in sin. And we so desperately need a Savior. What about the promise of heaven, the very thing that ought to be the the antithesis of all that we we hope for, that we live for, that someday we're going to spend eternity with our Father. We're going to be for eternity at the feet of Jesus. Uh, We're going to be for eternity in that, that blessed time with our Savior. Why do you believe that? What is it that within you, what is it within the Word of God that declares that to you? The reality of hell. Right now there's so many people that say, no, there's not really a hell. The unfortunate thing is there are many who proclaim themselves to be Christians who say that there's not really a hell. But beloved, Jesus spoke more about hell than he ever spoke about heaven. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Do you have the reality of that? What about the hope of grace? The fullness of of justification. I don't even know what justification means, much less the, the fullness of justification. You ought to know what justification is. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you ought to have a working knowledge of what justification is. Because it impacts you. It impacts you not only in the, at the time that you were saved, but it impacts you today, right now. And beloved, it will definitely impact you at the end of your life here on this earth when you stand before our Heavenly Father and He looks at you. Do you know that you are justified? Do you know what you believe about these things? Do you know why you believe what you believe about these things? Don't start singing, the Bible tells me so, okay? It's true, the Bible does tell you so. But where does it tell you? Do you personally know where it tells you? Are you able to look through your word and give reason for your faith? If not then how in the world do you expect to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all given to the saints? This common salvation, beloved, if we can't explain it ourselves, then how are we going to be able to fight against those that will come in with false teachings and false doctrines and will look to lead you astray? And I speak to it as a shame for Christianity within our nation in particular. 
Our nation in particular within the Christian church, we have lived with such ease, we've lived with such relaxing that the church has become literally asleep at the wheel. And beloved, the highway is flying by us. Are we able and ready to contend, earnestly contend for our faith? Our faith is under attack today. Just as it was in Jude's day, it's under attack today. And yet, it's so necessary for you and I as believers to have a firm hold on what we believe. Paul told Titus, and he was speaking to Titus, I understand that he was speaking to him about the qualification for the elders or for the bishops. And he told Titus that these men ought to be able to hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. It's the doctrine, it's the teaching of our faith that allows us to be able to exhort or to convict those who contradict. And though he was speaking yes to bishops, I don't believe it's any less important because particularly what we see Jude speaking of here. Paul tells Timothy, and yes, I know he's another pastor, but beloved, don't throw it just at the pastors because you will be put in situations, you will be facing individuals in much different realm than any of the pastors will. But Paul told Timothy, you need to be a workman that's not ashamed. You need to rightly divide the word of truth. Beloved, that's my responsibility as a pastor, but it's your responsibility as a child of God. And we can't lessen that. Because as soon as we lessen that, we read of individuals who suddenly, man, they're off track. They've fallen away. They're damaged. Or they got caught up in a cult someplace. You don't think that that's still alive and happening? then you're fooling yourself because it happens every day. It's our doctrine of faith. It's the teaching of the faith that's found within the Word of God that allows us to be able to earnestly contend for the faith. Beloved, doctrine matters. Well, sort of. The unfortunate reality is that there's a lot of professing Christians, and they go with that idea of, can't we all just get along? Does it really matter that much? Well, after all, we all just kind of trust in the same God, don't we? Can't we just get along? And they come with this idea, and there's a great movement within the church today. It's called the ecumenical movement that says, well, let's just blend all of our beliefs together. Let's just blend all of our doctrines together, and that way, you know, we can just be one. But there is absolutely no place within the Word of God that calls for us to do that. And yet over and over and over we see within the Word of God this requirement to stand fast, hold firm, understand what you believe, and believe it to the uttermost. We find it throughout the writings. Because even during the time of Paul, and the time of James, the time of Peter, and the time of Jude, these attacks were coming on the body of Christ. And they knew these guys, man, they didn't have near about the resources that you and I have. 
You and I have, we can come into a a relative comfort of of a congregation or a church. We can hear the teaching of the Word. On the way home, we can flip on the radio. We can hear the teaching of the Word. Once we get home, we can turn on a TV channel and hear the teaching of the Word. Or we can turn on our computer. We can get teachings of the Word. There's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't, except for our own laziness and our lack of concern for it. Or maybe because we just didn't realize how important it is. There are those Christians that say, oh yeah, doctrine does matter. And yet by their lives and the way they live their lives, they declare, yeah, doctrine matters. It just doesn't matter that much. That's why the sad reality is it's so easy today for many believers to jump from church to church to church to church. To jump from denomination to denomination to denomination that are so different in what they believe. How can somebody be just at ease in one denomination as they can in another as they can in another? I can tell you why. Because for them, doctrine doesn't really matter. What matters is the music. What matters is the children's program. What matters is the men's or the women's ministry. What matters is the social relationships that I have here or there. And unfortunately, many believers in our society today, they would rather contend for, they would rather agonize over a program than they would the faith that was once for all given to believers. That's why so many are easily led astray. That's why false doctrine, false teaching just runs right through their head. And they take it and they receive it and just happy as can be. That's why Jude proclaims so adamantly. I found it necessary. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, urging you, pleading with you to agonize, to fight for the faith that was given once for all to the saints. Because certain men, There's been certain men who have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. They're ungodly men. And they turn the grace of our God into lewdness. And they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here Jude uses the phrase certain men. And it would appear that there were certain or particular individuals or various individuals with a certain or particular doctrine. But either way, he tells us that these creeps have creeped in. That's what you call somebody that creeps in, don't you? They're creeps. And so these creeps have creeped into the fellowships. They've come in unnoticed. Their true character, their real motives, they're disguised at the beginning. They don't come in and say, hey, y'all, I got this false doctrine or a different doctrine than your church teaches, and I want to come in and I want to be a part, but I'm going to be sharing with everybody within the fellowship my different doctrine. They wouldn't do that. No, they come in under the guise of being a sheep. But it's called sheep or wolves in sheep's clothing. I've known a couple of sheeps in wolves' clothing too, but that's a whole different matter speaks as though they came from the outside. Maybe they were a visible part of the church elsewhere. And yet they saw an opportunity within certain fellowships to set themselves up as teachers or as elders. And they began to lead people into false doctrines. Jude tells us that none of this has taken God by surprise. 
because he's already planned for their destruction long ago. We read it all throughout Scripture. Paul refers to it in Romans. In Romans 9, 2, Paul writes, What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath that were prepared for destruction? In other words, he's saying, Hey, you know what? I'm letting this go on now, and I know that there's wicked people, and I know that there's false teachers, but that's okay. It's not taking me by surprise. Their end is planned, it's purpose. We know it's going to happen for them. In an almost parallel passage to Jude, Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 2, he says, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. But, or by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. These individuals bring within the church wrong doctrines, wrong doctrines concerning grace. What is the grace of God? Why, why concerning grace? Because it says right there, they've denied the fullness of God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ. By denying that, by again giving wrong doctrines, wrong understandings even of grace, suddenly the cross is not sufficient for my sin. Suddenly I have to do something different. And beloved, I've gotten this special revelation from the Word of God that I want to share with you. This is what you need to do. Let me encourage you with these things. Your concept of God greatly matters. It's of vast importance what you believe about Jesus and about the sacrifice of Christ. How you gain salvation, whether or not you can lose it, is of paramount importance. Do you believe that it's by works that you're saved? Do you believe that it's by works that you can lose salvation? Beloved, these are important things that you can be led greatly astray by. If it is the grace and the power of God that saves you, you need to understand it is the grace and it's the power of God that maintains you. That he who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until that day. God is going to continue his work in you. You think it takes God by surprise? Oh man, I saved them, but I didn't realize they were going to do that. Now God's not surprised. If he saved you, he saved you to the uttermost. And he is faithful who promised. I want to close with this. It's found again in Second Timothy. It's Paul writing. And I love his words here in Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. He writes, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast. Paul says, hold fast the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Beloved, we are a people of faith. That's who we are to be as believers. We are a people who need to take that faith serious enough that we become students of the Word, not simply observers from the grandstands.
You are on the field of battle, whether you realize it or not. That's why Paul tells us so firmly in Ephesians, man, you need to be prepared. You need to have that armor of God. There is a spiritual battle that's going on that you need to be prepared for. That's why Jude tells us, you know what, you need to be able to earnestly contend for that faith that was given to you. And the sad reality is, most believers are unable to earnestly contend for their faith. Why? Because they haven't taken time. They haven't purposed in their own heart and mind. I want to know what I believe. I want to know what the Word of God says about that. I want to be rooted firmly in the truth of God so that when false teaching, when winds blow, when things happen in my life, when an abundant amount of things that could come, I still want to be able to stand firm and stand fast in His Word. Pastor David is currently teaching through the book of Jude here on The Open Word. In this study through the book of Jude, we'll learn how vitally important it is for us to contend earnestly for our Christian faith these last days. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Finally, we want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter and become a Facebook friend. Links are available at theopenword.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time as David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Jude. That's next time on The Open Word.